Good morning and welcome to the Weldon Green Podcast. Today I have another Ask Weldon show for you, episode 163. And uh, we're diving into four questions. The last one from Love, that's what he said to call him, although his name on Anchor was totally different, uh, is really fantastic. It's a two-part question. He asks about why he can't focus wholly on the game and then meeting his own expectations in play. I mean, he doesn't phrase it like that. We actually end up talking about why it is that you can play badly win the game and still be pissed. And then I also reverse that and I say, you know, it's possible to play well, uh, lose the game and be happy. That makes sense to us, right? So if that makes sense to us, then the opposite case where you play badly, win the game and still pissed is, is really logical because it matters much less whether or not we achieve our goals and it matters a lot more how it is that we achieve our goals. What we really have when we say that we have goals are we have a specific idea of how we want to achieve the goal. And that how is 100% of it. It's not like, oh, it'd be nice if, and it's like 50% of the goal. It's 100% of the goal is how you achieve the goal. Um, And so we dig into that a little bit at the end of the podcast, that last question. I hope that you enjoy the show today. Remember that you can always come and check out the show live at twitch.tv slash mygameswelden. And more importantly for you audio guys, and this is and gals, this is really important. Um, if you want to listen to the entire show on audio, so you don't just want to listen to this little recorded segment for YouTube, but you want to listen to the whole pregame and the whole postgame show, you actually can do that in an audio format. If you download the Twitch app on your phone and you go to twitch.tv slash mindgameswelden, so you search mindgameswelden in the Twitch app, um, you can listen to videos from my channel with in audio-only mode. So there's an option when you click the gear in the Twitch app that you can click audio only and it will just feed the audio. My shows don't really have any you know, musical overlay, so there's no audio that's cut out or anything. There's no gameplay. I try to read all the questions straight from Twitch chat before I answer them. So you'll get the full pre-game and post-game discussion as well. Or post-show, I guess not game. The pre-show and post-show like conversation that I have with the audience there. And there's a lot of really cool questions and topics that come up in in those settings. So if you're aching for more content, you want more insight, you can always download the Twitch app and go to my videos section and you can find all of these shows, but the full actual show, including the pre and post show, you know, audience interaction. And you can audio only those and just listen to them on your phone. So make sure to check that out if you're interested and I'll let you dive into the show. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Ask Weldon Show, episode 163. Today, we're going to talk about playing badly, winning the game, and being pissed about it, which is quite normal. So we're going to discuss why that happens and how you can solve that problem. We might also reverse it. We might talk about playing well, losing the game, and being happy. Now that I've said both of those things, you probably understand the problem here. We're also going to discuss why League of Legends players are reserved compared to other esports and how to accept criticism. And a bonus question, how much free time for hobbies do you actually have if you want to be the next world-class elite at your craft, like Faker or Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan? Okay, welcome to the show today. My name is Weldon, and this is the Ask Weldon Show, where you ask me questions about sports psychology, performance, high performance, esport, League of Legends pretty much anything within my wheelhouse. I'm a sports psychology trainer who's been working in professional electronic sport for a number of years. And that 
about sums it up. You can ask questions to me via Anchor, anchor.fm slash Weldon Green. It's a little app you install on your phone. You just press the call-in button and talk on your phone, and voila, it just sends it right to me, and I play it on the show. You can also check out the show live, twitch.tv slash mindgamesweldon. Make sure to follow me on Twitch and turn on notifications because the show every single day, every single morning uh, or evening, depending on your time zone, happens at the same time. Maybe in your time zone, it's the perfect time for your commute and you could catch me all the way home and enjoy the show live every single day at 4.30 a.m. Helsinki time, which I think is like 6 or 7 p.m. LA time. I'm not sure. Let's see what time it is right now in LA. What time is it in LA? It is 6.58. So this show starts at 6.30, Los Angeles, every single day, every single day, every single day. I'm telling you, just join us. It's a lot of fun. Or you can continue to check out my YouTube videos here. Obviously, I post part of the show up on YouTube. The before and after is only on Twitch and then we record this with four questions for you guys. So why don't we jump into them? The first question is from John, spelled J-O-J-A-H-N, which I think is either a typo or an awesome way to spell the word John. Alrighty. So why do you think that league players, for the most part, are so reserved from a personality standpoint? Why do they, why aren't, aren't they so aggressive? Like, why do they not show very much a uh, drive to like beat someone who's beaten them or like shit talk from like a whole, not wholesome standpoint for it. Like just show like that they're, 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 they're comp- competing and that they want to win. Like why are they so respectful from like that kind of standpoint? My question is how do I learn? Sorry about the autoplay there into the second question. All right, so why are League of Legends players reserved compared to other esports? Okay, I think there's a couple of reasons for this. I think, first of all, the governing authority of League of Legends is much more heavy-handed than other esports. So you have League of Legends, and they've had a much tighter kind of influence on pros than Steam or places like the fighting game community, which is completely grassroots and has nothing to do with the publisher, right? Steam has pretty much stayed out of their esports, whereas League of Legends has built theirs from the ground up. And so they were able to create a, I would say, uh, behavioral standard, which they then enforced. And so the risk reward for players to act out is much more dangerous. Like if you get banned um, for kind of like questionable behavior in League of Legends, you can really affect, I mean, that's it. You know, you can't do any tournaments anywhere. And um, then on top of that, I think that the the online community for League of Legends it is pretty active. So where you, you look at things like Overwatch, the actual player base and the competitive player fans are even separated on, on Reddit. Like they just have two separate subreddits for that, right? And um, even with CSGO, I think that there were a number of people who played the game and who didn't really care about following the pro scene. Although that changed a lot in the last five years, I would say. Judging from from my time spent on like the CSGO subreddits and stuff like that. But definitely with StarCraft, I remember uh, I remember playing on the ladder and talking to people about, you know, the most recent tournament or whatever. And, and like I would run into very, very, very few people who followed the pro scene. And so I think that when you have a smaller 
a smaller scene and less fans. It's kind of like when you go to a Dave Chappelle comedy show and he says no phones because the things I'm going to say here are funny to you. But if you film it and put it on the internet, there will be somebody who will find a way to be offended at it. So when you when you increase the size of the community, you exponentially increase the size of the offense, offense base, right? And somebody's going to be pissed at whatever anybody does. So all of a sudden you have PR. People dealing with and worrying about PR and they see their friends go through these these horrible situations uh, related to PR and they're just like, it's not worth it. I'm just going to not say anything. Just not even the stream. And then they don't. Um, also, I think that in other esports, most of the time, they're, they're still a little bit small. Like I would say the talent recruitment in other esports is limited compared to League of Legends. Okay, so there's not as much like talent seeking and talent discovery. Therefore, the people who do make it to the top usually are the loudest and have the best personalities and are the streamers themselves and can are not only good, but good and loud, right? So they're able to get recruited. They're able to make noise. They're able to have a brand. They're able to show up. Whereas we're a little bit better in League of Legends at finding people who are good and have zero personality at all because they've just been grinding out the game, right? They were never a streamer. They were never online at all except for the ladder, and that's it. And then we discover them. We, you know, pull them in. So you have an influx of people who basically are not entertainers and will never be entertainers and are just there to play. And that those factors, I think, are the main ones. Now, that's going to change. If you look at Overwatch, for example, I think we have another governing authority central kind of esport. So I think that the player behavior in Overwatch League is going to be very is going to be a lot more similar to League of Legends. Um, we've already seen like some pretty harsh punishments sent, sent out for certain player behavior. And that's starting to conform them. Then we have the fact that the they're connecting, they're connecting it in the clients. You know, they're really advertising it there, so they're getting a larger, larger player base. There are more people to be offended at things, so less behaviors are going to be tolerable. And then, which by the way, I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing. Okay, it's just reality. Um, maybe it's a good thing because then players realize certain behaviors that they thought were okay, they were getting false positives from a from a group of people who didn't didn't take offense at it, but weren't wired up to, or, um, yeah, anyway, maybe they actually are very offensive behaviors. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, and then, and then on top of that, you know, I think that probably Overwatch League is going to, is going to get better at recruiting directly from the ladder compared to taking, you know, people who have personalities just because they have brands. And, uh, because when teams want to win and there's a league like Overwatch, they're looking for the best players, period. And so they're going to expend effort creating that environment. All right. I think that's my answer to that. Why don't we jump into question number two? By the way, update about the camera. It doesn't look like it's out of focus. I think it's okay. Um, my camera's down, so I'm on webcam today. Webcam duty right there. Um, so that's why there is this like kind of... I, I, I can't control the aperture and the gain settings on, the, on a Logitech webcam like I can on my Canon, so the lights are kind of overpowering. Maybe I, I should turn this around. Yeah, it's a little bit better. Maybe the lights are a little too overpowering um, compared to having a Canon that I can control the aperture and the uh, ISO on. So anyway, here I am on my webcam today because I can't figure out what's wrong with my Canon. It might just straight up be dead. So uh, make sure to 
buy the Mac program because I need to use the money to buy a new camera. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm not using that money to buy a new camera. Unfortunately, I'm using that money to program the new Mac program. Um, but how am I going to get a new camera if this one's actually busted? Go to Twitch, you guys. I, I need donations there. That's where the camera donations will come in probably. All right, let's jump into question number th- two. Shoot, I thought we were on three already. Let's get rolling with this show. We're behind schedule. Well, um, so I have a question about criticism because League of Legends is a very active community and you often get to talk to higher level players or even players at your same rank and they can give you advice and they criticize your play. Uh, my question is how do I learn to actually make something out of that criticism and not l- just let it affect my own um, psychology and get tilted because people obviously think I'm bad and I do mistakes or yeah so how do I get something out of criticism without letting it affect my self-esteem for example all right fantastic question and a very challenging one I would say because the answer is not that easy the answer is that you have to have the self-esteem to not let it affect you like the, the easiest answer is to be so sure and confident of yourself that you um it just doesn't it just doesn't affect you and a lot of that comes from parenting uh, honestly there's once you're at the state that you're at it's a little more challenging to kind of like push on that but there's a couple things you can do first off uh you need to be getting really good at self-talk okay you if you don't have a support network if you don't have like a significant other like a spouse or a sister or a brother or like a deep, 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 deep best friend that you are talking about these these concepts of identity and self-worth with, then you need to get really good at self-talk. So you should work at at seeing and hearing the narrative in your head, like what it says and what it is. So for example, like, okay, pay attention to what you're telling yourself right now. This person's talking to you and what emotions are coming up and why are you pissed? Like, why are you, why are you annoyed at yourself? And what are you, what are you telling yourself? Are you telling yourself you're bad? Are you telling yourself you're bad temporarily? Are you telling yourself like, right? So, so get really good at that reflective process of understanding what kind of like attack you're doing on your own identity. Then get really good at stopping those thoughts. And the way that I do that is with mantras. I, I have two main ones that I use, and that is I might not be good enough today, but that doesn't mean I won't be good enough someday. And that's from this uh, YouTube video that I watch pretty much on repeat. And it's the one about the guy who did who did yoga to learn to walk again. Just There's a viral video that went viral a couple years ago. And it's about, say like, guy learns to walk again through yoga. And watch the video. And so I normally watch a lot of motivational videos about people who, you know, were inspiring, but like on normal everyday things. And his quote stuck in my head. Um, I might not be able to do it today, but that doesn't mean I won't be able to do it someday. And then I use one by Steve Martin called be so, or that's, he says, be so good. They can't ignore you. And I, and I use those mantras to interrupt my self-talk and give myself the gumption to continue to go and to define myself by my future, um, and current aspirations, right? So instead of defining myself, those quotes essentially instead of defining myself by my my output now they define myself by my effort now 
and that is something I can control. And then if I feel bad because I don't put in enough effort, well, that's kind of on me if you get my drift. So I, when I'm not able to put in the effort, I actually do get impacted in terms of my self-worth and self-ego. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like the the harsh part about that is you want it to happen, but then you want to be able to forgive yourself, okay? So that's the third step. First one is to get really good about reflective processes so you can see what your self-talk is, how you're attacking yourself. Second one is to get good at interrupting those narratives that you're piling on yourself with directly countering mantras that focus on your effort and your aspirations and and really touch you in a way that like connects with you. Okay, so you got to find your own. You can use mine if you want. Then the third one is you got to be really good at forgiving yourself for letting yourself down and you have to get back on the horse. But getting back on the horse, the first step is actually forgiving yourself. A lot of our procrastinating behaviors and a lot of the things that we do to kind of avoid situations are done because we can't forgive ourselves for messing up. We just want to avoid restarting things um, because it'll admit defeat, I guess. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of reasons that this happens, uh, but but you you've been in that situation, right? Where like, you already messed up, you already missed that one day at the gym, and instead of going the next day, you just don't go at all. You're like, well, it's over now. So that that kind of thing happens in various other you know things in our life. Like you're you're working and doing your homework every single day after class, and then you miss it one day, and then you're like, well, that and you just don't do it ever again. Um, you know these habit forming things where where you have to forgive yourself for a single mess up and get back on the habit. The crux, the core step there is forgiving yourself for the mess up. If you can do that, it's so much easier just to like pick it up the next day and cruise on with it. Okay. All right. That's my answer. I hope that it was somewhat helpful and I'm really excited to dig into your question tomorrow. Joshua here asked a two-part question and his second question is just as interesting as the first one, but I'm putting it off to tomorrow's show. And so we're going to move on to Thomas's question. Hi, Wilden, Thomas here. Let's say you want to be the next faker in a given field, but you have these other hobbies like learning Korean or, I don't know, knitting. How much time would you say you can realistically afford to put aside for hobbies like that, if any? Uh, and does that change for creative fields such as writing? Or is it the same as it would be if you're talking about a competitive field? Thank you. All right. A challenging question. Um, so Faker, for those of you who don't know, is a League of Legends professional who's won the World Championships, what, like four times or something? Um, and uh, yeah, so he's really good. He's an, he's an all-time great. And if you're looking at other all-times great, let's talk about Michael Phelps, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, maybe LeBron James, LeBron James soon. Um, Federer we got Serena and Venus Williams I'm sure we could just keep listing off all time greats but anyway the question is how much free time for hobbies do you have if you want to be one of these people and that unfortunately is dependent on the field and then the reality is is um, that usually if you want to be one of those people, 
you don't actually have any other hobbies. If you're going to be one of those people, you usually are so obsessed with your craft that you're not interested in anything else. (laughs) That's almost like a prerequisite. It's not like you go out planning to be that thing or that person. It's more like you are wired up so that the only thing that you care about in the world is that thing. And that is what pushes you to the edge of the bell curve to be on the top of that craft. I think that there are people that approach these crafts as a career and they get close to that level. I think Derek Jeter is a good example. I think that maybe when he was inspired and passionate about baseball, he became one of the greats because of that. And then I think he got really good at balance and approaching it as a as a self-improvement, self-mastery kind of trait. And I think he could have done that with almost anything. Um, but then he's also not Nolan Ryan. And I mean, maybe that's because he's not a pitcher, right? But this is a tough question. I'm pretty sure the answer is pretty much nothing. Um, But like I said, it's dependent on field. Obviously, you can't play and practice uh, American football all day long. And you can't lift weights and you can't swim and train all day long if you're Michael Phelps. Like he was able to have hobbies in a life because you just can't swim all day. You can swim like six you can train six to eight hours a day, um, and then you have the rest of the day. But that's not true in eSport, right? You can train unlimited hours in eSport. And so it's going to be much harder to be that thing in eSport compared to pretty much any physical sport, um, simply because you're going to have to be, you're just going to have to have tons of free time and tons of, and and to be really focused on playing the game all day long and, you know, have somebody who's making their meals and stuff. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like, uh, I wish I had a good and easy answer to this question. Why don't we break it down for, for different sports? Um, how much free time do you have for hobbies? If you're in a physical sport, it's, it's gated depending on the training. So in running, it's probably going to be on the track for four hours a day, four plus and in the weight room you know, four to six. And if you're swimming, it's going to be from five to eight hours a day. You're going to be, you know, in the, in the weight room or in the pool. And then all the rest of the time, you're pretty much free. Uh, if you're in a craft like science craft, you, it's going to consume your life, right? Because this is all based on publication and work. And I think that if you want to be the best in the world, at some sort of scientific craft or academic craft, then you want to apply that that kind of pressure over time. Your best bet is to extend your career as long as humanly possible so that you can get there eventually. Uh, and and you want to just keep putting out stuff until some something hits, something sticks. So academic crafts, because you're not limited by this like 20-year span where you can have a, have a sporting career, you can extend that over 40, 60 years and you have a much better shot. But it's going to consume your life during your developmental phase. And then it, if you really want to push it to the top, probably it's going to consume your life after that too, let's be honest. Although you're still going to have a family, you're probably going to have other hobbies that you do like just skiing in the winter and swimming in the summer, but it's not going to be like you're good at those things. Um, if you want to do something like chess, I think there's plenty of time for other hobbies, right? If you're going to do like a, like a mental game, once you train yourself up in these 
you have the skill set. It's, it's much easier to maintain at the top level. You don't have to maintain some sort of physical prowess, so you don't need to train all the time. Like in music, unlike in music, you don't need to maintain some sort of like, like physical coordination. And unlike in academics, you don't need to keep producing and producing and producing. Um, you can just be good. So I think with these mental sports, like let's say chess, um, go, what are the other like big mental sports? Hearthstone, um, actually Hearthstone and Magic the Gathering are, are a little different because keep, they keep producing new cards, right? So that's unfortunate. And memorizing all the cards is a big part of being good at those. So yeah, so you're much better off in chess or things like that if you can pursue them. Card games. And then we have like Blackjack, right? Uh, and then we have the esports. So I think that right now you're going to have a tough time to have any other hobby at all if you want to be an all-time great in esport. But I think that's going to change. I think that we're going to get better at our training systems and we're going to realize that there's like a there's like a fall off to training, you know, more than 8 to 10 hours a day in terms of in terms of your intensity and what you can learn. And I think people will be able to train better in the future compared to Dow. And so I think that that will change. But you definitely have less free time for hobbies if you want to be faker in a video game, if you want to be the greatest of all time in a video game, than pretty much anything else right now. Now, I think it's actually harder to do it in sport because it's more painful. You know, you got to do a lot more gritty stuff to build your body up. And your risk of injury is much higher, insanely higher. So it's actually harder to pull off in sport. But it's, I think the window of opportunity is narrower in, you have less control over whether or not you are faker in esport than in traditional sport. And that's reflected also by the, the amount of people who go pro. It's actually harder to go pro in esport right now than it is to go pro in basketball. Like there's more people who play basketball who, who go pro. And so you look at the people who play basketball at the amateur level and the people who go pro and the percentage is higher of that population than people who play video games and go pro, if that makes sense. All right. Very good question and uh, a very rambling answer. I tried to tackle probably too much with that answer, but gave a little insight into essentially the process of mastering the bell curve. Um, also, like I said, I don't think that you're, I don't think you're even going to be there. If you have other hobbies, you're not going to want to do other hobbies. If you are the person who's going to be faker, you're just going to be so obsessed with the sport that you're not going to be doing anything else. So um, I would say do a lot of soul searching and self-awareness seeking if you want to do other hobbies, because the reality is probably that you don't want the other things badly enough. So you should just relax and have fun instead. All right. Last question before we dive into it, I want to recommend my Mac program. This is the Mindfulness Acceptance Commitment Training Program that is a online video course, 50 videos that I've created. I'm actually redoing them all right now. Yesterday I was putting all the outlines in, super exciting stuff. We're building version four of the program. This right now is version three. Every single version, one, two, and three, up to this point has been buy it once, get it forever. Lifetime purchase. So even though I'm building version four right now, you don't have to wait. You can buy it right now and you will get version four automatically for free when it comes out. Um, that's not going to be true of version four, by the way. Version four, the pricing model is changing because it's going to be an app and apps kind of need this constant upkeep and development. So we have to do something a little different than pay a little bit and get it forever. 
But anyway, this is, these are the core tenets of mental resilience that I kind of used to teach and that I used with CLG and TSM and G2 when I was coaching them. And it takes you through the whole process of mental resilience, not just if you think of the self-talk top talk example that we had from how to accept criticism, um, being self-aware of like the internal states that are driving you. That's what mindfulness is geared at. Acceptance is kind of like this forgiveness part. And commitment is then how do you discipline yourself towards action, towards things that you know that you want to do, but you're not necessarily motivated to do at that particular time. You want the outcome, but you're at a state of low motivation currently. Maybe you're at high motivation some other times. It, you get to do it for free. Commitment's about doing it when you, on your hard days, on your worst days. That's what the program is essentially choreographed for, is the creation of high performance through discipline. And this is a for pretty much any pursuit. We're talking about studying, managing people, relationships. But I tell a lot of stories about eSport, and it is geared toward a competitive environment that is used to drive that. So if you're in a school and you're studying, you have a competitive environment. If you're just kind of doing it on yourself, you're going to have to figure out like what you're aiming for in a way. All right. On to the last question. One of my favorite questions of all time. Hey, uh, Weldon. Uh, you can call me Love. That's uh, my LOL summoning name. And um, I'm having a bit of a problem where I, I just can't seem to focus completely on the game. Uh, external stimuli seem to constantly haunt me and I'm trying to figure out how to distract myself. Also, I can't separate uh, winning uh, personally and improving and or winning the game. Meaning that if I don't play how I want to versus how I am, I can't function. And I just really need help with that. Thanks, Walden. All right. This is one of my favorite questions from the last few days, maybe ever. And I'm so excited to tackle it. So basically, two parts. Can't focus wholly on the game and then meeting my own expectations in play. Let's, let's address the first one. Um, can't focus wholly on the game a little bit in part because of the second part of this question, but you're going to want to get to reducing expectations on yourself and accepting reality as it is. A lot of times, um, the the can't focusing on the game is because we're we're trying to we have too much of the game we want it to be in our heads. So like accept the game for what it is. Uh, and then the other thing is um, when you're just simply distracted. If you have, I would say that if you if you find yourself distracted and unholy focused on the game then there's three big things that I would do. The first one is eliminate distractions. So don't listen to music. Uh, don't try to play in a, in a crowded dorm room. Uh, don't try to have uh, other tabs open or be watching YouTube video. Like close every single program on your computer. Mute your phone. Put it in, put it in a drawer somewhere. Don't die and then check your phone. You know, these kind of things. Um, you know, shut the door to your room. Pick a time when there's silence in the world, like 6 a.m., you know, or, or like 1 a.m., and play then. Secondly, uh, one of the things you want to do is you want to work on, um, uh, so this expectation thing, right? Like expecting, not expecting the game to, to be anything, but instead just accepting it for what it is. 
and trying to kind of be in that game. And then I would say that the third thing for the no distractions thing is is you need to get good at this reversion back to the game. So noticing, there's a, there's a step here. There's first of all, noticing you're distracted, which it seems like you're pretty good at this point. Um, maybe you're not noticing until afterwards, but now you need to move that noticing to like at the moment when you're when you're distracted. You're like, oh, I'm distracted from the game, and then refocusing on the game. So you just pull your attention back, pull your attention back. Just drop whatever the other thing is. Pull your attention back. The thing you want to get good at is the pulling your attention back thing, not the holding of your attention. I don't care if your attention stays in the game for seven seconds or seven minutes. It's irrelevant to me. It doesn't show anything about strength. It just shows what kind of day you're having. You're you're either having a very distracting day, you're having a very undistracting day. Great. The part that you need to get good at is the pulling your attention back part. And the third thing I would do, um, because that expectations thing like didn't count, that's for the second part of the question, is I would square away more stuff at the beginning of the game. So one of the reasons that we become distracted from things is because they are unimportant. And our brain is not confused by us telling us that this is important. Like if you say, this game's really important to me, your brain's like, yeah, but you just played one of these games and you're playing one now and you're about to play another one and that makes six for today and we're going to spam it all day tomorrow too. So is this particular game right now actually important? I don't think so. Nobody's watching us. Like just these nine people. And I don't care about them because I'm making myself not care about them because the game's not going well. So your brain is not confused by the fact that you th- you want this game to be important. Like it's telling you reality. Your game, your brain is like, I don't give a crap because we're spamming. So you need to set aside time before the game to kind of clear your mind and prepare to play. Lay that welcome mat out. Be like, okay, this next game, I'm going to queue up. Okay, why, why, why am I queuing up? Um, what is, what is my goal here? What are my ambitions for this next game? Do some visualization if you want, uh, watch some VODs of your previous play. Be like, okay, these are the things I'm, I'm, I'm sucking at. This is what I need to work on. Um, think about build up the expectations of yourself for the game. The things that I just said to get over with, right. And destroy and get rid of. I want you to isolate this game in time and I want you to make it important. And, and to do that, you have to isolate it in time. You can't just auto-queue up for the next game, and you can't just run back from class and throw it into queue while you're undressing, right? Like, take your coat off, take your hat off, put your backpack away, clear the room, clear the desk, shut everything off in the computer, have a routine, a process, just, you know, just the environment up, think about the game you're about to play. Treat it almost like a religion, you know? Treat it like you're going into a temple, your brain will start to see importance in what you're doing and it will start to put the same weight on the attention of this thing as you are putting on it emotionally, okay? Second part of this question, meeting your own expectations in play. Um, Okay, so this is about playing badly, winning the game and and feeling crappy or playing well, losing the game and being really happy. It is truth. It is reality. It is a fact that um, it is the things that, that we kind of like place on ourselves that is how you achieve your goals that is more important than what you achieve. More important than winning is how you win. And 
I meet a lot of pros who who say things, silly things like, I just want to win. Like, so the only thing that's important to me is winning. And and I so I so I first of all I know that this is BS. So I challenge it and I say, okay, what is what is one of your goals for the year? And they're like, oh, I want to go to worlds. Right? I'm like, okay, congratulations. You have a substitution spot on a worlds team, and now you're gonna go to worlds. You're not going to play a single game. They're like, oh, but I want to go to Worlds and I want to play a game. I'm like, okay, congratulations. You went to Worlds and you inted every single game and you lost every single game for your team and you went out in group stages and they all played well and you played really badly and you cost them every single match. They're like, oh, no, I want to go to Worlds and I want to shine. I want to dominate. Ah, okay. So you don't have an achievement goal that where you tick something off. You have a how you do it goal. You have a goal which is based on the quality of the action, not the definition of the action, right? How you do things matters. It is our value, right? So playing a game well is more important to us than winning a game. Playing a game badly is more harmful to us and is not erased by the fact that we won the game because we feel like we didn't contribute to the victory. That is inescapable. It's not going to be like, and, you, and I don't want you to be like the person who says, well, it's fine that I played horribly because at least we won the game and now everything is okay. Like winning is all that matters. That's a bad mindset, right? Winning is all that matters. And you already are not wired up that way. Like you're already saying like I win the game and I'm just annoyed. So that's good. Let's let's rely on that system. Let's Let's lean into that frustration, okay? How you play is more important than the result of the match. And therefore, you need to hook up values, right? But I need you to to choose values about how you play that are within your control. You cannot control whether or not your opponent is better or worse than you on the online ladder. Okay, so you need to give up that one. It cannot be a, I, I value getting 42 kills on my champion and zero deaths. And that's how I want to play every game. That is impossible because you're going to be matched half the time against somebody who's going to crush you in lane and you're going to be matched half the time against somebody who's going to get crushed by you in lane okay that is the goal of the league of legends matchmaking system actually that's not true they want to match you a little bit more with people that you're going to crush so you're happier but anyway you you have to take away values that you see about how it is you play that are related to control that are that are that you cannot control that are related to essentially like statistics in the game. And instead, you have to clarify values that are related to your way of acting and behaving within the game that will lead to those things more often, okay? So things like leadership or things like losing gracefully or things like um, feeling intense, deep emotion when you are losing and playing badly and controlling it anyway, right? Why do you value that? And and one of the one of the best ways to deal with those kind of valuations is through something like a like a value setting exercise. I do this with a lot of pro teams. I did this with the Latin America North Player Development Conference for Riot Games when I was down in Mexico. I think I think I actually set up a tool for this. Let me see if it's still up. Mindgames.gg/goals. Mm, nope. Uh goal? Well, you can actually go to mygames.gg slash goals. And funnily enough, there's a video there. But that is not the tool that I was referring to. 
Um, so I, I will... Uh, I think it's LAN goals. Yeah. Mindgames.gg slash LAN goals. And there you will find a short little worksheet that takes you through storytelling. Telling yourself the story of your career and your life. And in an effort to essentially abstract values that are that you can use to drive your play that are not game variables that you cannot control but things that you can control about how you want to do your esport life i would say and if you can control those values then you can go into the game and you can it can be disassociated from winning and losing and you can fulfill those values you can be either proud or disappointed in yourself based on something that you have 100 percent control over and that is the ambition that is the ambition there is to, you know, my value is to play aggressively. Okay. So if you lose, you can be like, well, I, I die, you know, I went down fighting. I went down in a fire. I didn't like passively just cry myself out of this game. Things like that. Right. Associate your playing identity with those controllable values and you will find your way to play games well, no matter what situation you're in. Thank you so much for the question. That's the end of the show today. I'm going to immediately jump to Twitch chat, finish off their questions, and then run to the gym. Remember that if you want to join that community of live viewers, you can come right now to twitch.tv slash mindgamesweldon. Right now, actually, you're probably catching this video after it's too late, but you can come tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Los Angeles time, and that is when the show will start every single day. And what else? Make sure to check out the Mac program. All right. Thanks so much for joining me for the show today. And as always, remember that you should use the code podcast if you check out the Mac program that I, I give the code AskWeldon for those of you mindgames.gg slash MAC is the Mac program. And you can use the code AskWeldon, obviously, if you're listening on YouTube. But for you guys, I created the code podcast, which gives you an extra $1 discount. And that is just so that I know that you came from the podcast and not from YouTube so that I can figure out you know, where, where my biggest, most ardent fans are, essentially. And I just wanted to remind you that and say, see you tomorrow for another episode of Ask Weldon, episode 164, I guess.